Dear friends, my name is Markus Rodmüller, and together with Laura Koitschewa and the amazing team of EASA's Applied Anthropology Network, I am hosting this new event format called AAN Impulses. In each event, we provide you with an impulse of human-centeredness, presented by applied anthropologists to improve the world impulse by impulse by impulse. Each session ends with a challenging or provocative question to spark discussion among the audience and the broadly growing community of applied anthropologists. The AEN impulses are provided by applied clubs, a space for sub-communities and more specific groups of applied anthropologists to meet, exchange knowledge, discuss needs and action items, and to find mentors, friends and jobs that can support your career as an applied anthropologist on the long run. If you have any suggestions for future impulses, or if you want to learn more about applied clubs, or even open a new club around your favorite topic or field of applied anthropology yourself, reach out to me directly via email or LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about the Applied Anthropology Network, check out our website at applied-anthropology.com or via social media. You can find all the details in the notes to this episode. Also, make sure to give us a like, subscribe and share this with your friends or network in case you liked what you are about to experience. And now, without further ado, I hope you will enjoy this impulse session with Context meets isolation. We choose what's to be seen by the camera and what to remain in the digital shadow. Thank you very much for the invitation to uh, come tonight and uh, talk to you. Coming from all over the globe, I am so super excited to be part of this event. Uh, so really, really appreciate it. Um, my name is Louise van Jensen, as you pronounced very, very properly, Marcus. Um, I am an anthropologist by profession. I took my education at the University of Copenhagen, um, did my master's back in 2012. And actually, almost since then, I have worked professionally with the anthropology in the consultancy company called Is It A Bird in Copenhagen. Um, I started out as an intern, uh, got hired as consultant, and since January 1st, my new role is to be Director of Research and Insights. So I'm also training saying that out loud. That felt good. 
just a brief introduction to Is It A Bird. I won't spend a lot of time talking about us as a company, but uh, this is a picture of where I work. We were based in a garage in uh, Valby at the outskirts of Copenhagen, Denmark. And um, we count uh, around, yeah, currently 25 people. We were founded in 2011 by a sociologist um, who early on teamed up with a designer. So the social science and, and design thinking has been been the two legs of the company ever since. I was the first anthropologist hired into the company and, and what has been my aim throughout my time at the company has really been to apply uh, all the great stuff we do as anthropologists in a, in, a, in a primarily corporate world, sometimes working with public organizations as well, but really trying to, from, from uh, an anthropolo anthropological perspective, and from a design thinking perspective as well, to uh, to introduce uh, human centricity across organizations and put humans at the core of sustainable business development. Um, I thought I might want to open up my twenty minutes here with this picture, and uh, I realize that I'm I'm speaking to uh, fellows, so it might seem banal to you, but this is an opener that I like to use when talking to clients as in companies about the value of being human centric and about the difference between talking about users of a product or a service and talking about humans and how to create value for humans. So as you might uh, recognize, this is uh, two illustrations of two perceptions of the solar system, one prior to Copernicus and one uh, post Copernicus, where prior to Copernicus, we used to think that uh, the Earth was in the middle of the universe. Copernicus came along, got very, very unpopular for challenging that view. Uh, but at the end, uh, luckily, got people to believe that uh, it is actually not the Earth that's at the center of the universe. It is, as we know it now, the sun. So uh, what I want to say with this is that this narrative is our way of trying to challenge what is actually at the core of what we do. Is it our product and our services of which or everything else is surrounded? You can very easily come to that conclusion if you work at a big, uh, at a big company that becomes the inner logic. But of course, it will always be uh, a different perspective. That's the relevant one. That's the human-centric one. That is the, uh, the, the perception that the sun is the, the human and the, the planets circling around the sun are different products and services and stuff we use in our everyday lives. That's the way it will always be. A product has never been at the, at the center of a, of a person's life and we should therefore never perceive it like that. So with this picture, we're trying to challenge that we're not merely looking at a relationship between a product and a user. We're putting the product into the into the whole uh, holistic thinking of, of a human life um, and trying to understand where a product and service can play a role and do play a role today and make sense to people in their everyday lives. Um, to exemplify that, I have uh, brought along this slide that exemplifies a business problem posed to us by a client uh, we worked with several times, Velux, who uh, produce roof windows and do that with great success uh, across the globe. To say that context is key to identify the human problems worth solving within and beyond the business problems. 
So when clients come to us, they come with a business problem. In this case, how can we improve our smart home technology to win the market for smart home solutions? That's the company focus. What we like to try and do is to identify what might be the human problem inside this business problem, where to start in order to solve the business problem at the end, but with a different starting point. So the question we rephrased was, what does homemaking mean to people in different cultural settings? And through that question, the insight we got to was that in order to feel truly at home, people need to feel control over the space. This led to then the reframed business problem of how, can we, uh, how might we create smart home devices that supports the feeling of home by ensuring the feeling of full control. Um, and this shift in perspective is, is a shift from looking at a relationship between a user and a product where you will never get beyond, uh, beyond the, 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 that's a very binary position that doesn't allow a lot of, uh, a lot of innovation potential, but by, by adding the context and by, by looking beyond that specific relationship, you can really allow yourself to open up the solution space. So um, this just to say that the context is to us and to you, I'm sure, too, king and key to, uh, to drive the human centricity in our work. Pre-COVID, if we call it that, we took pride in being present with people in context when exploring, involving and ideating solutions. We like to take pride in having explorative mindsets, considering ourselves design thinkers and collaborators, all activities that, uh, that are, are very uh, closely tied to being together with people in time and space. I actually like this quote a lot from a Danish anthropologist who, uh, who very nicely put into to words what the quality is of being in context with, the, with people. So I'm just gonna read it out loud to you. Anthropological knowledge is based on the researcher sharing time and space with the people he or she wants to understand, establishing relationships with them and thereby experiencing life from their perspective. The anthropologist follows people, reflects upon what's being told, returns with new questions and adjusts insights accordingly. The method is open, flexible and grasp the unexpected. This is what we like to cherish about anthropology in our work, no matter what field we're in, no matter where we engage with people. In the times of COVID, this description of what we do is of course highly challenged. So since March uh, 2020, nearly all is it a bird projects and uh, our engagements have been either fully or partially digital. The explorative mindsets have been somewhat limited to, uh, to whatever we can explore inside a screen. Uh, design thinking has been boxed into a mural format of a digital post-its where you sit together with your coworkers across space. And being collaborative is a, is, is a matter of, of, of making the right amount of breakout rooms in a, in, a, in a Zoom meeting like this. So what's my point about this? My point is that of course, the social distance imposes immediate disadvantages for professional empathy, both in our professional collaborations and in our engagement with people we want to understand by exploring their context. We cannot put ourselves out there in the context we want to explore. But beyond the disadvantages are the potentials, I would argue, for new human encounters. And uh, these potentials are, of course, maybe linked to remote research and digital tools that allow us to share experiences beyond what would be possible while physically present. 
And of course, you might say that digital tools are not new, and probably a lot of you already use digital tools and have done prior to COVID-19 as well. And so if we, um, before, before COVID, uh, we also practiced, for example, giving uh, diabetes patients GoPro cameras in order to, uh, to, to, to get close to the, uh, a closer understanding of how, how people handle their diabetes on a daily basis when they take their injections and what situations and, and what, what food is on the table while you do it, so on and so forth. We've also experimented in the past a lot with uh, having people self-document their behavior through emails and photos and video-based documentation where, they, where we send stuff back and forth. We've also worked a lot with app-based documentation using the various uh, opportunities out there for, for having people document uh, their lives and, and be um, para parallel ethnographers alongside us in their own context. However, when we've previously used these digital tools in our work, when we've used, uh, let's call it digital ethnography as a broad term, um, it's almost always been part of a mixed method approach. So what we would often find useful would be to start out with these digital uh, methods because they can, they can paint a broad picture, so to speak. You get a lot of context. It might be more difficult to get those deep conversations that, are, that narrow down um, narrow down the focus on the, on, of which you want to explore. During COVID, we've been forced to using only digital methods um, and thereby also becoming more intelligent about how we go about these digital methods. Um, during the first lockdown in the, in the, in the spring, we decided that uh, we might as well try out early on to conduct a full uh, research project that when nobody who was part of the project ever met, neither the respondents nor the collaborators on our side. So we, from beginning till end, sat uh, at a distance and, and did this study. And we thought, why not make it even more challenging by, by choosing a target group who, uh, who might be the first you would think of if you were to criticize digital methods the elderly, people uh, who, who live a senior life, who might, uh, in, in the assumption at least, be, uh, be, uh, be less equipped or less willing to engage in a digital ethnographic study. So we recruited across Scandinavia um, people who would be willing to test out this all digital uh, research study. Um, and this is just the front page of, of our final insights report, uh, the qualitative study of, of, uh, of the experience of aging in Scandinavia. The key question we went out to, to answer was, what is the good life for 60 to 70 year olds in Scandinavia today? And how can businesses improve relevance with them? Of course, a pretty big, a big one. My point here is methodological, not so much uh, on the topic um, so uh, if we just for a brief second go back to Tina Chernhoi, her key points in the quote that I really like is this point about sharing time and space, experiencing life from other perspectives, following people, reflecting upon what's being told, and returning with new questions. And actually, I think that uh, these bullets, these 
guiding principles, so to speak, for conducting classical ethnography is very, very well suited for all digital, uh, an all digital approach. Because it's very difficult to have a, uh, a long, one long deep uh, ethnographical interview with, with a person when you're only allowed to meet digitally. You will simply wear people out uh, is my um, experience if you, if you sit too long in front of a screen and it becomes a flat medium. So you have to go creative about it. And what we, what we tried to do in this uh, study was to uh, try to actually um, um, mimic the very classical way of conducting fieldwork, where you will meet people several times in different constellations, reflect in between, come back with new questions. So in this setup, we had an introductory interview allowing us to build up trust prior to the, to the engagement going further to, to simply establish a human relation. Um, then we had a set of homework tasks for the people who, who were engaged in the project, allowing them to define the focus and direction of the dialogue. Because that's another thing that you, you can very easily over facilitate when you're, when you're in, a, in an all digital uh, dialogue, because you have less, um, you, you have, you have less uh, means to, to kind of sense what's going on on the other side of the screen. So using, using in-between activities allows, uh, allows the respondent or the person you want to understand to, to set the agenda more. Then we had the classical ethnographic interviews, of course, online, um, but based on several points of interaction, allowing for elaborate reflections and allowing for an open conversation where both parties felt fully uh, felt trust throughout. And then in our, in our analysis process following it, uh, we, we used Mural, which has become a preferred tool of mine, uh, to, to do the classical pattern recognition of uh, clustering post-its and writing up themes and later insights, allowing the research team to develop human insights in a collaborative format. And there are a lot of uh, actually advantages of working digitally with the pattern recognition that I have not thought I would come a lot in, uh, come into, but uh, you can uh, get beyond the obvious barrier of having bought the cheapest post-its and, uh, and having colleagues who have bad handwriting. So that's two nice aspects. When choosing these digital platforms for engaging with people, what we found as a learning was that it's critical that you don't let tech define the format, but let people's preferences and capabilities define the format. So we we uh, we we used uh, we had a pretty flexible uh, way of of letting people decide whether they were high tech or low tech, and thereby um, letting them choose the means of uh, of interaction, either the various digital ethnography apps and virtual video interviews as one format. Kind of middle tech format was email documentation of homework tasks and FaceTime follow-up calls. And then the, the most analog version of the digital engagement was, was simply having photos and text messages sent and then doing follow-up phone call interviews. We also had this split in order to kind of test the different qualities of the different kinds of engagement. Um, so to, to sum up on, uh, on, on the learnings throughout the last year and, and through this uh, senior study, uh, not least, 
we I've I've tried to 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 narrow it down to seven learnings from a year of staying human centric at a distance. Uh, the first learning is that the flexibility of applied anthropology is maxed out. Uh, so we design research so it can be conducted online without greater adjustments. That's simply become the new normal uh, at our company that you never know when the new next lockdown will happen. So you might as well prepare for that. And you have the best uh, starting point by being an anthropologist who are used to to readjusting and to uh, and to to sensing what is needed in a situation. The second learning is that geographical parameters are all of a sudden a non-issue. People are not excluded from participation depending on where they live, which is a huge advantage as I see it. You can recruit solely out of the parameters you want and not let geography be a be a, a limitation. Um, so. The third one is that people, not tech, should define the digital tools we use, which is to my point earlier, that we should be flexible to apply the digital tools most natural to the respondent. Uh, that, that's also, in my opinion, a, a way of being human-centric. Um, the fourth principle is that preparation is key to, to high-quality human data. So uh, in order for, for the digital uh, tools for engagement with people to work, we need to, to allow people to get comfortable with the digital tools and, or else their focus will, will, will slide off to something else. Um, the fifth principle is that building trust in the purpose and the person requires a greater effort in digital research. I guess you've all tried uh, coming home to somebody and you can see the, the sense of relief in people's faces when they realize you're just another human being and you have good intentions in the, in, for the conversation. That basic early on sense of trust is harder to establish in a digital setting. So you need to work, work harder on introducing your, your purpose uh, to the people you want to talk to. Um, the sixth principle is that the digital formats enable new human encounters, uh, that different people uh, suddenly, um, or diff different, uh, different kinds of intimacy allow people to open up because of the distance. You can see people who actually find it intimidating that you come into their home, who suddenly will open up in a new way because at a distance they feel in a safe space in a way. So you have, uh, that's maybe generalizing a little bit, but introvert people who can all of a sudden feel like this, this is a format that works for them. This is a way they can share their stories. The seventh and, and last uh, principle is the one that, that uh, I keep coming back to, that the context is always king uh, and understanding the context is still key to high quality data. So, so you need to be creative about how to let people share their contexts be that through pictures or videos or uh, tangible tools, stuff that can exemplify where are we and what, what, what are the associations around the conversation we're having. Um, I'm just about to wrap up, my time is running. 20 minutes is very short, but I just have two more points I wanna make because now I've talked about research and experiences with the, with, um, conducting digital remote research. But beyond that, uh, I also see uh, in my work how digital methods allow new openings for empathy building and professional collaborations. Um, of course, we are at our company, like everywhere else, 
we are we are working at a distance at the moment, and this is a, a way for us to be invited into the context of each other. And uh, you will very often see people choosing different backgrounds. I actually really appreciate you don't do that. I can see a lot of your real life backgrounds. I appreciate that. Uh, and I've actually, uh, when facilitating workshops, which I do a lot, uh, I have uh, come to like to start off with, instead of trying to hide people's context and what's behind them, then ask them to show us what's on the other side of the screen and do a little tour. So you'll see, yeah, over here we actually have a renovation project, over here we have the kids' toys, and that's just a really nice way of establishing, establishing the human encounter in the digital means. Um, Another thing that I've grown fond of is to use analog tasks wherever possible. We all get screen fatigue from looking at the screen constantly. So if you're in a workshop, in a collaboration, have the opportunity to let people do something off screen, always prioritize that. I facilitated a workshop just last week on design thinking where I asked all the participants at the beginning of the session to take a minute to reflect on how their day had started out, grab a pen and a paper and draw it. This was one of the drawings from one of the participants uh, and this led to the first 10 minutes being full of laughs and people cracking their faces cracking open uh, across the screen about about do you say that sounds maybe not so positive as i meant it cracking open the faces anyway um point being people people became human at an, at an early phase of a, of a workshop. And from there on, we had established an intimacy across the screens that made it possible for me to facilitate in a completely different manner. This is my last slide before my question. I might barely have time to run through them, but I decided to also include seven principles. Seven is always a good number for staying human centric in online facilitation. So this is maybe just a, a little, uh, little gift for you for when you're facilitating your next uh, workshop to be reminded of keeping your structure, which is even more important when at a distance, keeping it short because the attention span is shorter online, being analog whenever possible, Using the chat function, uh, actually referring back to the introverts having a new space in the digital encounters that the people can engage in different ways than, than raising their hands in a, in a big forum. Use the breakout rooms for discussions so more people are engaged. Keep it fun. Use energizers and use the context, as I mentioned before. Pass around the screen. Show us where you're at instead of hiding it. These were my 20 minutes passed by very quickly. I want to wrap up before sending you off to the breakout room. So I will not be the one sending you off. That will be Marcus' task. But uh, the question I want to raise to you is, uh, of course, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's easy to point to what's lost in the translation from physical to digital research and collaborations. So let's try and uh, phrase the question the other way around. So what can we potentially win through the means of the new digital encounters? This was Luise van Jensen, Director of Research at Is It A Bird, talking about human-centeredness in the pandemic, going beyond the user while shifting to digital methods. A challenging question for the participants was shifting from the physical to digital research. What can we potentially win through the means of the new digital human encounters? This led to a vibrant discussion about best practices, 
principles and issues for which we need to raise awareness, such as digital divide, context remaining invisible in the digital shadow, or shifting embodiment and its consequences, a topic Simon Roberts will talk about in one of the upcoming Impulse sessions too. If you want to hear the reflections on these and more questions, stay here with us and continue listening. Also, feel free to further engage and push this discussion by adding your opinion as a comment or via social media linking to this session. As a little teaser, this very discussion and Louise's impulse eventually led to the first official Apply Club on digital methods and remote research, for which we already received more than 50 interested applications and registrations. If you want to be involved, you can choose between joining as an Apply Club leader, being responsible for the strategy, direction and outcome this club should lead to, or as a working group member, being actively involved in hosting workshops and producing content, as a supporter to support this club financially or with access to important infrastructure, or as a normal member getting regular updates and content and joining some of the future events of this club. Sounds tempting? Check out the show notes and join us right now. So thank you very much for the amazing talk. Um, the next point is now that we will break out into groups and discuss this question. Um, repeated, it is easy to point out uh, what is lost in the translation from physical to digital research, but what can we potentially win through the means of the new digital human encounters. Um, so we'll just start creating breakout rooms and people can then just start discussing um, what this means and what we can potentially win also. So I, I see that uh, some people are dropping out after the presentation now, but we are around, let's say 38. So Cool. I see some smiling faces. That's nice. Um, I suggest that just everybody or the one representative of each room gets ready to present. And since Yike already said she is one of them, I'll give Rick, uh, Yike the stage. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us what was the discussion about. Yeah, so we have several had several things that we, um, yeah, from our own experiences or like what was um, kind of popping up. And I think uh, in the presentation, there were already many uh, advantages actually from the online um, interviews. But um, so we had several points like we uh, said that, yeah, uh, when you are um, researching online, you can connect to way more people as well and you can engage in huge communi communities. Um, I myself had an experience with that. that uh, um, yeah, I had like so many respondents that I think it was into maybe more than a thousand people in one community. So that was really cool. And also people share different things, right? So um, normally you would be in a room and now they're on their laptop and they might have documents on their laptop and um, they might share things that they would otherwise, otherwise not have, would have taken with them, right? Um, and then we talked about, um, Oh yeah, the fact that you can record, it makes it also easier to take notes at the, at the same time. So you have, you can like leave the attention to the notes, um, but also analyzing it later, it makes, also makes it easier. Um, and you can learn from your own mistakes um, when you look back at it, because yeah, in other settings you might not record it. Um, and uh, oh yeah, one of us uh, experienced that people take 
uh, more time than they would normally do. So they are less stressed about the things they're going to have to do after somehow. So um, that's, I guess, it's a nice thing. People are more relaxed. And um, oh, yeah. And then you, we, so, someone also uh, in our group said that there are different dynamics. So um, it enables uh, participants to in initiate a bit more. And um, because they have kind of, they feel more freedom to, the, yeah, to show things. And um, it's as if there's less of a hierarchy in a way, maybe. I don't know if I explained it the right way, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I think those are the main things we talked about. Okay, very nice. Thanks. Any reactions on the uh, elements that you can mention or maybe somebody that directly wants to follow up on one of the points and then also represent the breakout room he, she was part of? Um, I can I can do the next. Um, I think we're room full and uh, I think we definitely discussed, one of us discussed the how um, same um, acronym uh, ICA, if I, if I pronounce it right, um, that it definitely makes um, makes us able to kind of reach out to more people and getting more people involved um, in the process and kind of and also um, being able to kind of multitasking and fitting different research projects um, in kind of VC schedules um, and also um, um, similar to one of the points that um, say participants or researchers can have the freedom of choice of location um, they can choose wherever they want to um, do the research, do the interview or take the call which make them the most comfortable um, which may goes back to uh, Louis' point of you know um, having them you know at the natural context there where, where they, they where they are um, and I think we also discussed at the end of our conversation that um, it, moving digital makes people actually realize um, how, how important physical connection is um, and just um, have a, you know, kind of make, make us realize um, the pr previous privilege that we all have. Okay. Thanks. Reactions or direct follow-up on what Enke, uh, pronounced correctly, just said? Oh, I don't know if it's uh, necessarily a, a reaction or going in a similar vein, but certainly um, also in the discussion in uh, room two, which was... Um, you know, very, very lovely, very exciting because there were there were people discussing um, uh, research experiences in various uh, contexts. Um, I think one of the things that um, is kind of an emerging theme is that we're always thinking of the digital in contrastive terms of of the of the what was before, right? Uh, quote unquote uh, physical. Um, and um, one very lovely um, insight that I think was running through all three cases that we discussed was that um, the move online and to digital um, ethnography, if we want to call it that, um, has challenged the traditional hierarchies 
um, of who has access to where and to what, because um, in traditional fieldwork, we have access to our uh, um, um, participants' um, kitchens and we see their, their farm animals and their house animals and we interact with their kids, but uh, they rarely have access to our kitchens and libraries and uh, see our kids, right? Um, and this has changed and this has really created um, a quote unquote, a more democratic relationship between the research and the research, which, which I thought was also a lovely way to put it. Um, and also very importantly, um, kind of chiming uh, back to what Louis was saying, um, opening up different kinds of research intimacies. Um, so those were the, the, the running threads between the, the three cases. Mm, yeah, nice. I also thought that that was very interesting, the kind of level and decision on how you can build report and trust depending on how tech-savvy people also are, right? Um, and regarding the dogs <laughs> or cats, I, I also heard some people say, what the hell are all those animals doing in the important business meeting nowadays, right? So there was also some anger for some people. Okay, uh, who else wants to represent the room discussion? Can I just quickly add to that? I, it's very interesting because especially in, in the, you know, quote unquote West, there's this very strict norm about what is professional and what's going to be excluded out of the realm of the professional. And this is a very funny, funny kind of sentiment, anger at the cats and dogs, because that's kind of undermining, you know, long established ideas of the strict separation between the professional and the whatever we want to call it, uh, that's the opposite of it. So funny. Mm. Anger at cats. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Who's next? Um, I think if we're going down in numbers, we, we were room number three. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things really interesting that's been said that we've also discussed um, this idea of uh, being able to include more people, uh, we mentioned that, and we were particularly thinking about people um, with um, access needs and people with disability that could have previously been um, um, out of, of the, the research sometime just, yeah, for reason of, of access and that, and that kind of maybe fades away a little, which is, which is really good. Um, We've also talked about this idea of things not happening at the same time, um, which means that um, communication can happen over a period of time um, instead of through a, an interview where it's very much sort of like instantaneous and spontaneous thing. Um, and we were wondering whether that allowed people to maybe reflect on things in a different way and, and potentially go deeper in their reflections and what they might share with us. Um, so I guess, yeah, mostly thinking of that, the kind of like diary thing and, and respondent taking the time to, to reflect on their lives, um, that potentially digital um, kind of, yeah, greater that effect. Um, and then we also talked about, um, yeah, really one of the points that I really liked from Louisa's presentation was um, the idea of um, letting people choose 
the um, the method and the tools they feel comfortable with rather than forcing it upon them. Um, and so we were discussing whether that might um, create, yeah, different kind of dynamic and relationships with the, the, the research. Um, and uh, what did I write? Yeah, I was wondering also whether that triggers different behaviors that um, we might not see otherwise. Um, I've just noticed through personal kind of professional experience, just how different uh, video conference platform already trigger different dynamics, different group dynamics, um, which seem crazy because in a way they all do the same thing, but actually they don't. And the, the differences can be quite subtle, but actually it creates completely different dynamics. So yeah, similar to the idea of that, how do you cre create that intimacy online between the researcher and the respondent? Um, yeah, I wonder what different tools can teach us on that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I missed anything, anyone in my group, let, feel free to jump in. Yeah, also very interesting. Can you give any specific examples of the different kind of behaviors that different video tools triggered? Um, for me, the, the personal things that I've experienced is between uh, tools such as WebEx. I don't know if people know WebEx, uh, which is a quite a corporate tool used in like big organizations um, because it's very secure, um, as opposed to Zoom or Whereby. I don't know if people have heard of that Whereby, but Whereby came quite recently on the market and kind of took off because I think they were offering that interface which was very kind of easy, super easy to join. Um, and I guess by design, it had all these round corners, you could change the background. And there was this kind of like nice um, interface, which meant that the behavior triggered is that people tend to turn that camera on, their webcam on more easily. Whereas on WebEx, I tend to find that people stay with their camera turned off and it becomes actually almost more like a phone call online. Um, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's quite a specific example, but yeah. <laughs> Actually, even for remote work, you know, I mean, I've, I can remember times when people tried to switch on the damn high-class, high-tech camera, 360-degree camera in the room so badly that you could have had the most amazing workshop, the atmosphere was already shit before. Um, and even today, I mean, I still see some people being challenged with that kind of technology, right? Um, I guess even that atmosphere is already doing a lot for our research. Um, who else was left to summarize? There should have been one room left. Don't be afraid. Okay. And, uh, does anybody else want to say something instead of representing the room? <laughs> Otherwise, maybe we switch into the Q&A session. I think Berenice already corrected some of the questions and monitored what's what's been written in the chat. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I actually have the chat in front of me and I can see the latest question you posed to me, Berenice, is, um, is the question of whether there are any special research methods that I've discovered in the pandemic which I think I will continue to use after. 
I don't know how you would split yeah, what makes a method a new method and what's a variation of a method. Uh, but um, but maybe in line what what you, Laura, were talking about with the hierarchy and the democratic. I really like that term. I really like the thought of the conversation and the relationship becoming more democratic. Uh, I think uh, there's that that entails a lot of stuff. Uh, and one thing um, aside, what you were talking about is that by meeting people virtually in their home instead of in real life, they are the ones to point the camera. Uh, in a certain direction, which gives them another position in the relationship. And that's uh, there can be pros and cons to that uh, because it's an awareness point for you as a researcher because people can more freely decide what narrative to present and what parts of their home to present. And I mean, whether they point to the mess when you, when you pass, when you, when you turn the camera around or not, uh, that's up to people themselves. And I like the idea that people can make those choices. But I think it's something for a researcher to be very aware of uh, what, what does that tell us about the people we engage with, what they decide to show us. Um, so I think the virtual house tour has become kind of a favorite method of mine and I wouldn't call it, an, it's not necessarily a new method. Uh, when I, for example, in my collaborations with Velux, when I've been visiting people in their homes, I would be the one holding a fisheye camera when walking around the house and having people tell me about the different rooms and how they use them. So now it would simply be people holding the camera themselves. But that that's that adds another layer of uh, quality to the method, I think, because uh, you can ask, so why are we going in here now? And why not in there and so on? So that's one answer to that question. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I think I pointed to some benefits, but uh, I came I, I came to think of some more when um, during listening to your your summarizing um, the breakout rooms. Um, one of you pointed to that people can can uh, can show stuff that they have on the on their computer and the ability to uh, to uh, engage with objects and 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 use their context for associating uh, within, throughout your conversations with them. I think that's a huge potential advantage. Uh, and I also, I really enjoy when people take the freedom to do that, step away from the computer, come back with something and show it to you or find a document in the computer or whatever it might be to, to, to be able to do that, um, I think is, is very um, valuable. Um, I think it was Laura who earlier on asked the question of whether I had experienced any moments of that that surprised me or challenged the empathy building in the digital relationship. I'm not posing a question totally right, but something like that. If I know oh, it, it's right. Yeah. Um, I would say I've tried both. I've tried really struggling with the um, with building that um, situation. I mean, at the end of the day, you will always in research projects have very different respondents. Some of them are more open to conversations than others. So it might simply be that, but I've had very different experiences of, of, uh, of digitally engaging with people where, where in some instances I had this uh, conversation with a woman during this project about aging in Scandinavia, who was just 
lovely and, and, and really you could just see how she enjoyed presenting me to her life through these uh, digital means where she would show me the room where she did yoga and she would love filming when she was out walking in the evening where everything that she really really enjoyed about life it seemed like it almost uh, in, enhanced her experience of it being allowed to share it uh, while she was doing it so that was just a, a joy whereas uh, the more silent engineer a plus 70 guy I talked to he was that was that was more challenging to uh, to have him open up across the distance now that's very interesting uh, one reason that I was asking that question and I followed it with with uh, with a question about embodiment is because empathy is in many ways always embodied right mm -hmm. um and you started with that lovely quote about sharing the time and space with our participants and, and being in that same moment, but that is always embodied. And I was thinking, how is that embodied empathy also for us as researchers changing um, in establishing? And I think you, you kind of touched upon that when you, when you started talking about building trust online um, and the various elements of that. But, um, you know, because so far we've, we've discussed a lot about people sharing space, right? Yeah. But the body has been kind of missing from that conversation a little bit. And, and we're past now the, the full hour, so I'm going to cut it short. But just as an insight of me observing myself, and I, I admit I haven't done research, I was lucky enough to have my, you know, all my studies were completed shortly before that. One had to be cut short, but I didn't do digital research. But also in like trying to establish a kind of empathetic relationship with, with people, virtual strangers in the beginning, right, online. I've observed myself that, I mean, normally what I would be doing as also the body work of field work, right, that you do with your body and in being present with your whole body, now has had to be shifted entirely towards my face. And in the early days of my um, of, of Zoom interactions, I would just complete the day with facial pain, like my, my muscles would be aching just because, you know, what normally the whole body was doing now only had to be conveyed through the pitch of my voice and through my facial expressions. I admit that it's gotten better now <laughs> that we're almost a full year in. But um, yeah, so... I was wondering if, if you've noticed a similar element or how you, you've dealt with that, also on a professional level, right? Well, Do you have a tip for like how to... Or how to, well, to? I fully share with you the sense of a, yeah, a muscle pain in the face after a long day. But uh, what I actually... I, I um, that's also just something we do at, at work amongst colleagues, is that every time we have a meeting where we're only two of us, we will almost uh, always have that be a phone call while walking, which has a double benefit of you resting your eyes and looking at nature. And actually, I find by looking at nature, if you are, if you have some kind of accessibility to a tree or something, <laughs> um, looking at nature, talking to to a person, builds empathy in my my mind. Uh, mm -hmm. So you remember stuff that people tell you in a different way from when you're looking at them at a screen. Uh, so that that that's a bit of a new thing for me to think about, but I think there's something really interesting in that. And there are several things to it, both that you are connecting through nature uh, 
but also um, that I had a I had a phone call today with a professional uh, um, connection, pretty uh, which I'm not very acquainted with. But he was out on a walk. You could hear him breathing as he was walking somewhere where he was struggling a little bit. It was very cold today in Copenhagen. And that sense of embodiment in the conversation was really nice. And we could talk about that. that, that, that I mean, there's also just something in this current situation where you where you empathize with one another because we're all in the same situation. But, but that sense of walking and hearing, sensing the breathing and yeah nature that that's that's i think has some interesting potential very interesting any other questions uh, follow-ups reactions hi and um, i don't know time is running running out right no Just no we have another 22 minutes uh open okay. meeting People are always, I mean, they can leave whenever you want now, but if you you want to stay, stay. Mm -hmm. But perhaps we shall vote if we want to take this path. It's a darker path. The one you, Louis, actually blocked by, by your, let's, let's be constructive. Let's look at it in an optimistic way. What are we gaining? So I'm not sure <laughs> we are ready to <laughs> go down a, a digital divide path. Um, but I will try nevertheless. What do you think um, are the main challenges of this new new normal we've been actually finding creative ways around uh, that actually uh, pro, 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 um, deepen the digital divide? And what shall we do as, as anthropologists being aware um, about those new, new forms of inequality uh, emerging? Uh, how shall we react? Perhaps turning those new digital tools uh, as, a, as, a, as a method. I don't know, I'm, I'm st st as a new, new kind of method, how to um, kind of a br bridge this digital divide, the gap itself. I don't know, I'm starting brainstorming, but I, th I think you know where I'm going with this. I suppose this is actually, now we're opening up the floor, right? A, a super interesting question and of course I totally agree with you that there are some huge disadvantages and I think that the talk about inequality I think that would be an interesting hook for this conversation to talk about which inequalities are established through this it would be kind of a change of the conversation to the dark side <laughs> but uh, uh, um, that's not irrelevant at all so maybe let's uh, let people I think somebody, while, while you think, I just want to comment on one of you mentioned that, uh, that this period in time makes us all very well aware of our need for meeting in physical space. And I think that's uh, on a constructive side, on the negative side, of a really positive thing. And I experience when I facilitate workshops that people are so keen on sharing stuff that they usually would never want to share with their colleagues in a workshop because they simply have this urge for connecting. Um. Uh, can I jump in and continue what you said? I, I, I find it extremely valuable and it's very, very true. 
Like, you know, I took a lot of notes. Thank you so much for this very inspiring presentation and then great crowd. So I really appreciate that. Um, as you said, like, you know, somebody asked about the embodiment and, you know, being an anthropologist and like, you know, you feel it, you, the effect of the thing, like, you know, the effect is different than the emotions that we have is kind of a big, right? Um, but now, because we are totally, we, we totally lost it. So we are trying to build something while we are self-reflecting on what we have lost. So we are building up cert on certain things, um, even though we don't know what we are building up and we don't know what is gonna come out of this building. It's crazy. But just because of that, is everything is kind of experimental. People are ready to share because we are super bored. We are like, you know, juggling with unemployment, craziness, gender-based violence. A lot of things are happening. So you want to be heard because everybody's voice needs to be heard. So it's a place where as long as you exist, which I will come to the dark side, as long as you exist, it keeps you in this delirium in this abnormality that we are trying to pace or we try to control with replacing with that different types of embodiment. So like, you know, jumping cats or like, you know, very uptight people, you know, smiling, even like, you know, you see people with their, you know, no makeup, nothing. But the dark side is really, really bad. And I'm super worried about that because I was saying like, and I did this research like in 11 countries and in African countries too. So I was super lucky to reach to these ladies who had the access of internet so we could talk. So when we say that we can reach a lot of people, but actually who are, who is that a lot of people? Like, you know, in how many countries, how many people what is the population of the, you know, that can have direct access to internet or internet literacy, which is also different stuff. So now, um, yesterday I joined into social, um, social club or something like, you know, it's, it's a new platform. Amazing. Everybody's talking. Wonderful. But who is there? It's people like kind of us, kind of creme de la creme. Not everybody is there. They don't know how to get in there. They don't have the language. And every day, I think we are somehow distancing, not only social distancing, but also mentally, verbally, physically, obviously. So this is something that um, I don't have any solution. But as an anthropologist, of course, I like talking about the dark side. So I join you. Um, yeah, I stop here. Any reactions or follow-up comments to that? I think it's super interesting because just thinking about how um, how kind of diverse the type of social media we use nowadays and a platform and different audience group, even those who have internet, they are kind of segregated by the tools and platform they use. Like, I don't know you guys, but TikTok is like super heat at the moment and I personally just couldn't get into it um, it's not a platform that I use but I know how 
kind of large audience that it's on it and how active people use it to kind of as a way to document their life and share stories and make money. Um, so, so as um, Abel, you were saying, like pe some people might not even have internet and some people are kind of separated by the design of certain apps and the design of um, platforms. Um, and I, I think definitely it is, you know, as more digital this age become, um, we, we like as a human, like social beings don't just, um, I guess this is kind of like a digital literary. Um, so people would have different levels of digital literary um, or um, different digital capacity that they are kind of just naturally filtered by um, the available products and tools that I guess human builds. Can I, can I share one additional thought? Um, I will be drawing on the book recommendation I just shared. Shahram Koshravi, professor of anthropology uh, from the University of Stockholm, if I'm not mistaken. I, I really, relatively recently, I witnessed his talk on visible, invisible, and, and tensions between visibilization and visibilization. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, what is being in what is what is not to be or what's not possible to be mediated is somehow today it's it's becoming more this invisible so there's this invisibilization uh, going on and I, I would love to encourage all of us you know sure of course we can research tick uh, tiktok and and instagram and what's actually happening over there what's the social meaning of 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 this interaction but you know what is falling through the cracks um, if we are paying attention to what is new visible? Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I will not serve you with specific examples or like mind blowing case studies. I just leave, leave you with this thought, the tension um, Shahram pointed out. Can I add a, a comment based on that? I think just that term, that tension, it's just uh, touches a core somehow that, that to reflect upon going forward also in this period we're in. So thank you for sharing, Pavel. Um, I think that in the last year's experiences of engaging with people via primarily digital means, uh, it's become a very conscious thing to think about. Whereas when you enter people's homes physically with your body, you you can maybe tend to think that you could see everything. But this new digital encounter makes it very apparent that you don't. So although it's a solely visible medium, although you can only see, there is obviously so much you don't see that you have to do what anthropologists do best, which is to uh, make the implicit explicit. You you It becomes very apparent that so much is implicit because you can't see it. So you need to dig deeper into that context and make stuff visible that's otherwise invisible. So yeah, so thanks for using that term. 
that sparks reflection. Thank you. Mm, really interesting. Um, I, I think Pavel's comment really got me thinking now about the invisible things we are forgetting and leaving out these days by just having to stick to kind of video and audio and not being there physically, right? Um, what I shared before was in, in, the, in the breakout room was that we were working with Sprint Base now and um, there you can basically, we, we invited 50 people and they can just upload um, pictures and videos and notes, um, kind of like cultural probes on a huge whiteboard, right? Um, and they can share whatever kind of context they want to share. And it is a, it's, it's kind of a nice process um, to ask them to, to be engaged and participate, very participatory. Um, and then we also pushed it to ideation and prototyping now. But what I realized was that, you know, we have had this kind of kickoff workshop digitally, then we left them for two weeks and there was a deadline. And uh, I think Yike mentioned it before, that um, people can have now high, um, and bigger timeframes of actually um, sending something in or that we can have bigger timeframes of, of engaging. But what actually happened was that they, most of them only uploaded right before the deadline, right? Um, so I'm also wondering what, what this means, right? What, what do people actually choose to tell us and show us and upload? And based on what kind of factors is this decision-based? And how could we also improve the facilitation of this? Maybe an open question for the room. I don't know about how we could um, improve the facilitation. I think that does, that's a, that's a very good question that I think I need some thinking through. I don't have an immediate answer to that, but also to kind of, um, answer Pavel's provocation about what is lost and to tie in again with the, with the embodied uh, element of, of doing fieldwork and what's lost. Um, you know, we've lost the, the, the fact that as anthropologists, we usually draw on the full sensorium, um, right? Um, in order to uh, glean an insight. Um, and now everything has been shifted towards um, things being audio and visual and very graphic, um, simply because those are the two the two um, uh, senses that uh, that we're engaging the most. And so um, things have become perhaps a bit more cognitive. Um, in that, um, you know, for example, I am cognitively and visually and, um, you know, in auditory terms now sharing a number of, you know, however many 20 people's um, spaces um, that I see on the screen, but also in terms of smell and feel and, um, um, you know, kind of touch haptically also, I'm, I'm in a different, I'm in my space, I'm not in your space, so I don't quite um, you know, I don't know how, whether, you know, somebody's cooking dinner and what that dinner is. And, you know, does that, is that the same dinner on Thursday? What does that tell me about them? So I think that there is this kind of this going back, Marcus, to your, um, question about, um, you know, what they decide to show, um, and this kind of revealing that happens, right? Um, um, 
yeah, it's, um, I think it's, it's uh, let's put it this way. It, it's an issue that's perhaps not talked about enough. Um, I have found at least not in the conversations that I've had. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, no immediate um, answers <laughs> on how to remedy. Um, I just want to add something. It's a very, very sad situation, actually. That's why, and I'm, we, we cannot come up with a solution for something that we were holding so much dear to us, like this is our existential situation, it's the way we are, it's our embodied culture as an anthropologist, this is what we learn, what we taught, what we are doing, when you participate, you observe, you feel, and that's, you know, probably most of you would know that the theory of affect is kind of more different than the emotions. So totally affect has gone. And, and my fear, um, I know there is a group uh, called Epic People. Maybe you may heard about it or you may want to join. I don't know. But just they're trying to catch up with the change. They were trying to catch up with the change that was coming up with the digitalization and what is going to happen to us. What is going to happen to our profession? How are we going to put the human and human nature, human as a social being in the context of the research? How are we going to combat with the artificial intelligence or machine learning? So my fear, my worry is like, if as anthropologists, we do not learn the other world language, which is part of our life, but we don't know how this works. Hope that you started learning about it. I started not to celebrate that, but I have to know in order to criticize or in order to come up with different solutions. Otherwise we can sit here, talk and be sad for hours, which I'm okay with it. I love it. But then what is going to happen? So yeah, I don't know if we, if we are ever going to, meet up again, maybe we can start thinking about, you know, different type of workshops, how we can make sure that these machines cannot learn without us putting our insights. Do we want to do that? That's a totally different ethical issue. What is going to happen if we do not do that? Are we going to have an alternative way? I don't know. So I leave you with this darkest <laughs> comment. <laughs> Thanks, Abil. Um, I think it's it's soon time to also wrap up and conclude now. Um, my final question is kind of following up on what, what you just said, um, which is maybe we can come back together and see what we can do, right? Um, one of the big motivations that we have is that we also want to kind of form some sort of working group or space to exchange continuously. And my question is, is there any topic where you where we see the need to come back together and say, how can we actually actively work on this? For example, how can we overcome this barrier of there's so many things or there's so much being invisible now? Is there something, is there something where we need to take actions? What's, uh, what's the opinion there? I did, we, didn't we didn't rehearse this. There was no rehearsal of... Uh, uh, the, the pitch I'm going to make, but basically, <laughs> basically, 
I'm just following up on what uh, Ibil was talking about, let's uh, well, let's do something. I mean, okay, at some point the discussion needs to stop, and you need the the, the current practices needs to be remediated, remediated, rethought, and that's what we've been actually trying to do in Applied Anthropology Network. And the impulse sessions, impulses sessions, and upcoming. Uh, first talk on Fuck Up Fridays, uh, uh, and the showrunner of Fuck Up Fridays is going to be Laura. Uh, the, the, all those new models of engagement, they kind of point in the same direction. We would love to establish apply clubs who are uh, uh, groups of members of Applied Anthropology Network within the network. And those groups, they work they unite around the topics that they care about. They, they, they perhaps they develop tasks for each other. They have developed projects and we'll let them work together. And so if you are enthusiastic about those, all those questions, we welcome um, you to participate in the network more actively, become a leader of whatever apply club you want to start. Anthropology, applied anthropology of education, of health, of uh, I don't know, IT or design thinking, uh, anthropology and design thinking, everything goes. So you are most welcome to join unless you already are a member and contact Laura and Marcus who are now in charge of those new models. I'm more in charge of Wide World Leads Anthropologists event in Prague, which is going to be postponed. It actually has been already to mid September. And, and to just to call, to, to actually in, introduce Berenice. I'm not sure if Berenice Peru, if she is known to you as a new satellite event manager, which is a narrow format that we have been pioneering. You're most welcome to organize your own wider world needs anthropologists as a, like a public engagement tool um, in the context where you live. And we have digital tools for you to share and, and uh, channels you can use. So you're most welcome to, you know, jump on this bandwagon with us. Yeah, you're more than welcome to contact me through the network. And so we can talk about maybe a, a topic you want to defend and how you want to also promote uh, applied anthropology in your country. Uh, it's based on a short, well, so far online event. Um, yeah, where we can discuss all that together. So you're much than welcome to, to contact me about that. Very nice. Thanks, Pavel. Thanks, Berenice. Um, I will send a feedback form in the chat in, in one second, but I want to uh, have one experiment, one final experiment where I need attention, focus, commitment, motivation, all of it at once from everyone in the room still. So my question is, if I, and I actually am stealing that idea from another podcast, but if I'm falling on the head now and I don't remember anything of the discussion here, what would be the one thing that you remember that you would point out to me? We start with Laura. There is a lot more uh, to be discussed and to be learned from uh, digital methods and digital ethnography mm -hmm. than hitherto discussed and appreciated. All right, I'm just gonna call in names now, Yige. 
Well, I'm really bad at keeping things short. Um, <laughs> well, I think it just makes me just, I think for the rest of the night makes me think of all that, like the digital forms has so many advantages, but also so many disadvantages. And I think it's good to be aware of them. And especially what I was thinking now is that like engagement and keeping people engaged is like a really big challenge um, when you speak about digital things. But yeah, just speaking out loud. <laughs> Thanks. Um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Julia Patrina. Yeah, I, I just to follow a previous comment that I was very excited about the wins of um, um, actually digital tools and all the meetings because it's something, it's new experience and very advantages, especially if we talk about reaching people who are usually will not will maybe to engage with you um, like mental health I mentioned in our group it's something really exciting and very like I would say positive of course I'm aware of all the uh, challenges and our considerations um, that we have to keep in mind but still I'm kind of <laughs> very excited about the, the positive uh, size of it. Cool. Thanks. Enke. Uh, um, I think I think I'm now kind of just more mindful about, you know, you know, we're talking about so many about digital tools we use to connect people, to talk to people, to to kind of get closer to people. And it, it makes me think of fundamentally how, how we as a human um, to communicate with another individuals and just, you know, I'm kind of mindful to, um, to kind of the tools or like the approach you kind of make the first step towards the other side, what, what method you use? Are you sending a Zoom link or are you sending an email? Are you sending a text message? Are you um, just taking a direct call? And what those media means to the other side, um, whether that would be maybe intimidating to somebody who are not, who have not used Google Hangout calls before or have not used Zoom before. Um, that and and just kind of thinking, you know, is there a way to um, kind of soften this as if we can say obstacles or emotional obstacles or communicational obstacles that put kind of a point as by you know, what's supposed to be empowering those digital methods. Um, I, don't, I don't have a solution, but I'm just kind of in my mind now. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Enke. Sarah Lunar, are you here? Not sure. Sabina Oros. Hi, hi everyone. Hi. Um, 
so I, I missed most of the event because I had to be in another meeting. But um, from the last half an hour that I attended, I, uh, I, um, my reflection is, or more like these questions that I'm, this question that I'm going away with is, um, is this maybe an occasion to experiment with dislodging the anthropologist role? Is it maybe a time to experiment with um, kind of letting the participants speak for themselves or, you know, participatory filmmaking, um, that kind of, that kind of methods that we could experiment with where we don't put the anthropologist in the middle of everything. Um, so I don't know what the answer, but this is a question that I'm going away with. Thank you. Berenice, what do you think? Yes. Um, well, I think that um, I I think that it's very important to continue actually as today um, discuss our experiences uh, with digital methodologies uh, to share the limits we might meet, but also like uh, all the positive things we can uh, get out of it. Because uh, personally, when I was first locked down and I eventually had to. Uh, to conduct some research, um, I felt kind of lonely on how to to go with it, um, and then I had the opportunity to join different conversations with different other uh, anthropologists or companies who would start to use um, remote and online digital digital methods. Um, they would deploy, and it was actually very inspiring and in insightful. Um, so really helped me personally to to go on with uh, yeah this different context and to still like uh, uh, deploy relevant methodologies. Mm -hmm. Louisa, I'll keep it short. New divides of visible, invisible, explicit, implicit. I that's uh, what I'm taking away as new food for thought. Nice. What about you, Cecile? Um, not easy. I was writing down as people were talking, <laughs> trying to think, uh, reflecting. And what comes to me is with, although I don't want to necessarily do that thing of opposing digital versus non-digital, um, but still what comes to me is with digital more than ever, research methods becomes an art of revealing things and I feel like the choice we make we have even more choices to make in terms of which method how when um within just we were just talking about a video conference tool there's now dozens of them which one do you choose so it's like it's a subtle art of how do you how you're going to reveal what's in the world Mm -hmm. Interesting. So in a way, digital gives us more opportunities, but also makes the task attend more complex and difficult to get to the good stuff that we usually might get to just by being in the space, right? Vidra. We cannot hear you. Of course, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for me, like, I find, like, everything there was spoken is super interesting for me. I've like written down of notes, but like two main takeaways for me are the one with 
like the change in the hierarchy, you know, and the building of more democratic relationship between the researcher and the participant, because for me, like the, the re relationship between those two persons are, is the base for uh, good research. And the second thing is what Laura mentioned, and it's this change of body language and that all of this stuff is going just, you know, to this part. And it's something I didn't realize before. Or I, I, I wasn't thinking about it. And now well, it's crazy when, when one realizes this. So these are like two like things I would point out if somebody asked me what I think. Cool. Uh, who's left? Uh, Valentina? Um, hi, sorry everyone, I like missed the talk, mostly but happy to be here. Um, I just want to thank like everyone again for this network and like uh, Pablo again for like um, organizing like um, and uh, I, I find like digital to be really like exciting because there's like a lot of potential for just communicating in like a new creative way that wasn't like possible before, even like with the pandemic happening. Um, I think that's where like applied anthropology can have a lot of like potential. It's like to have us be like, maybe making even more work now that there is this lockdown, like everything is on Zoom or like, you know, people are talking about like Instagram, TikTok, like stuff like that, like social media. Um, I think there is a lot of like exciting things that like uh, apply ant anthropology network could like go with, with, with like the pandemic. There's like a potential, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool, I Bill. I, I thought that I, I talked a lot, but anyway, thank you for giving me another chance. Um, no, um, Well, I really, really collected a lot of extra. I mean, I took a lot of notes and um, the visible, invisible, audible, non-audible, I mean, now also this one. And what uh, Laura said was like, are we becoming extremely cognitive, which is terrifying. Um, I find it terrifying because this depends on how we actually perceive the human or in different cultures how the human is perceived as a cognitive being or is a kind of a cognitive slash social being is a religious spiritual being so all that stuff that we've been talking for centuries kind of under experiment now um, so that's why i i really want us to work on it because either we have to change if this pandemic traces is gonna change our life and this is gonna be the new normal, which I don't like the word, but you know, I'm using it. Um, if this is gonna be the, our new normal, the new reality, then we have to really find a new definition or a new way of like collecting the insights. Forget about the insights, like how are we, how are we talk about the human? So we cannot, just talk among each other, but we have to, you know, be with not only the cognitive psychologists, but maybe the artificial designers or like a machine learning, you know, data scientists, all that people, we have to really understand what are they doing and how we can actually inter 
inter, uh, integrate, if we want to integrate. Yeah, this is mm. where, I mean, I'm left with this huge topics and yeah, kind of uncomfortable, but yes. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Sarah, Luna and Pavli Jan. I'm not sure if you are still here, but if you want to say something, it's a chance. If not, um, for me, definitely one of the highlights was related to how we can, I mean, one of the interesting things is that people on the other end of this kind of technological landline are deciding what they show us, right? And I think that's very, very interesting. Um, for example, I had one call just to, to end this session with a story about, we. I'm working on smart homes and, and we had one call on, uh, with a person that was really proud of showing me her whole inventory setup, right? Like every single piece where she put the blade, um, the, the cutlery, there's the cans and dry food and so on. She was really proud of that. And one of the things that we realized was that you cannot just standardize the smart home to be most efficient and um, kind of that stuff. What you actually want to help people is to be proud of something in a way, right? Um, and, and get their own personal setup that they really appreciate for their own kind of styles. Um, and that's what she showed me. And that's what I realized just with that specific moment. Um, to end the session with, thank you very much, everyone, to staying also that long. I'm a pretty bad time manager. Um, maybe I, I need another role next time to keep, keep track of me and my experiments until the very end. Um, but I think it was a lovely session, very inspiring. Thanks, Louisa, for joining us and giving that impulse. Um, make sure that you are becoming a network member if you're not yet. Make sure that you are um, also engaging in future events, um, teasing again for the Fuck Up Friday that is going to come. I'm already, I already know who's going to speak. It's going to be super exciting. I'm super looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, other than that, I'm giving the last work to the speaker also. Louisa, anything else left to say? Just a big thank you to all of you. Also, thank you for, for sticking around uh, for the extensive conversation. Uh, it was very valuable to me. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, reconnecting uh, with my colleagues at Isidore Bird and tell them about my discussion here tonight, feeling uh, reboosted on anthropological energy. Great. Um, now, thanks so much, everyone. Session, once the session is over, or Marcus, you want to finish the session? Because I don't want to have a last word. So my, my I will, will be out of I'm the session. I'm glad to give you the last word. You always have great last words. Go for it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay. There are three invitations in the group chat. Mm. Um, perhaps you noticed there is going to be a digital ethnography workshop uh, of Daniel Miller. So you can try to sneak in. It's tomorrow. Sorry for very, very short notice. You have a program and you can download. I already shared a, a reading list. I mean, just, you know, download and keep it. If you want to dig deeper into those very pressing questions. Um, so there's one, one, one invitation. The second one, Bernice shared uh, satellite events, more info there. And the third one, hey, we are running this new thing this year, apply a word. It's going to be huge, okay? And since all of you are, are more or less, are applying uh, anthropology or ethnographic methods in here, please do consider to apply with your own projects. Plus, 
feel free uh, and feel encouraged to to share via social media that this call is out. Share with the colleagues who, yeah, whom you trust and who who, who should know about this this call. At the end of the day, there there are going to be a glass objects you can go home with. So check it out. Apply Awards 2021. Thanks, Pavel. Also, I'm going to send out the feedback form again via email. Make sure that you leave us some sort of opinion that's always helping us to improve. Thank you very much. Have a great night and thanks for sticking around and see you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye.